Well, youth is back. We're having a good time. Well, at least I am. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think there's a few others having a good time too. Uh, hey, I just do want to mention if uh, tomorrow you could pray for our family, in particular Ryan. Uh, he goes in for an operation tomorrow to have a kidney removed. Uh, and so he was born with a, a cyst on, on one of the kidneys, and so they're monitoring over the years and have decided now's the time for it to, to be removed. Uh, so tomorrow's the operation. So if you yeah, keep him in your prayers for that, uh, that'd be great. Thank you very much. Uh, and I just want to mention again, just to remind uh, youth parents, we're just going to have a, a short meeting after today's service, just to uh, talk a little bit about what we're doing and uh, hear, hear from you guys uh, after this service. So that'd be great if we just touch base there. Well, the Word of God. I'm going to read from 1 Timothy. So if you've got your Bible, you turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I pray that you'll be encouraged with this word this morning. You walk out here feeling just a little bit more taller and encouraged in who you are and what God has called you to do and who he's called you to be. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that as we uh, get into your word, as we read and, and learn, that you would speak to us this morning. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 1 Timothy 6, verses 11 to 16. But you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have confessed so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God who gives life to all and before Christ Jesus who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate that you obey this command without wavering. Then no one can find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. For just as the right time Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He alone can never die. He lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach him. No human eye has ever seen him, nor ever will. All honor and power to him forever. Amen. Amen. So I remember a few years ago, it was just a few years ago, I was a little tucker. I had to talk to my mum and dad about this story, find out approximately when it was. Uh, I could have been around seven, eight or so, and uh, it was a, a late evening. They got us dressed, my sister and myself, jumped in the car, and we drove to the Brisbane Docklands. And we got out of the car, and then we headed to where this big ship had docked. And there it was on the side, and the ramp was coming out of, of the, the side of it to the, to the road. And then we gathered on the side, and we're waiting and waiting and waiting. You see, the queen had come to town. And my mum and dad thought it would be an opportunity to take us to go see the queen as she exited the ship. And so there we were. It was late at night, sitting there watching and then time went on and we're still there. And then finally, we saw some lights flash in the open door of the ship and then out comes the car. 
And we're all excited. We see the car come down the ramp and it comes down past us and the car slows down. The lights inside go on and there it was. (laughs) The wave. We got the wave. So uh, the Duke of Edinburgh, he wasn't in that car, so he was uh, in the next one behind, but uh, it was delayed slightly. And so uh, we, we were waiting, 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 and he didn't come, so people started to leave, and it was late at night, so we eventually decided, oh, listen, we, we've got to go, we've got to get these kids home. Could have been a school day or whatever, I don't know. And uh, so we, we had to leave, and we were walking back to the car, and we head back to the car, and we're just near the car, and I remember turning around and going and seeing, here comes the car. Here's the Duke of Edinburgh. And he comes down, and I, and I was a young tacker, approaches, and then, I don't know, I just jump out in front, wave my hands... <laughs> Like this, and then run back the side, and then he comes up, light goes on, just for me, and gives me a wave. <laughs> I got a wave just to me from the Duke of Edinburgh. There's so much that goes on when royalty comes to town. You know, how will they arrive? What will they wear? Time? Travel? I mean, even with us, what, what will we do? Are we going to watch it on TV today? Are we going to go there how we dress? Are we going to find the best seat? All that kind of stuff. It's a big event when royals come to town. Well, this is a little bit of the context that Jesus was referring to when he's talking about in this passage. He's, he's using the imagery of when the emperor comes to town and when he refers to Jesus coming into that city. In the town, the return of Jesus is using the same language that the people would have recognized as they spoke about when the emperor came in. It would have been a fanfare, a great event. He's deliberately using this language. And in that, he's referring to the future appearing of Jesus, his return. And by using this language, he's signifying, you may think, It's important about when the emperor comes to town, but I want to tell you that Jesus is the king of kings. Jesus is the Lord of lords. Jesus is the only true God. That's what Paul was doing here as he's addressing Timothy in this situation. And there's two purposes related to this. One is prepare yourself. Prepare yourself for the arrival. And secondly... Get ready for battle. See, the preparation wasn't just to dress well and, and to, to, to welcome the emperor, but it was also a call for soldiers. Who will join the emperor's army? Who will come and be on his side and fight for the mighty emperor? That was what was going on here, a call for battle. Who was worthy of that call? Tom Wright Uh, world-renowned New Testament scholar writes, you must get in shape, both be ready for the king when he appears and to enlist in his service during the present time. The emperor would summon people to fight in his army and when they signed up on for military service, they would have to make a public declaration of their allegiance to him. Now Jesus is summoning people to fight in his army. Through Though this battle is not one that involves weapons and killing, but it involves love, patience, and gentleness. It is the noble battle. The noble battle. 
The noble battle is the mission of the man and the woman of God. That is our mission, the noble battle. In this section in chapter 6, Timothy is uh, drawing the letter to a close and he instructs Timothy to distance himself from some of the issues that was happening in that church Timothy was at in Ephesus. There were some false teachers who had infiltrated the church and providing different sorts of teachings. So Paul is contrasting Timothy to them and saying, Timothy, you need to fight the good fight, the noble fight against these teachers. Fight the fight of faith. This is the town of Ephesus where Timothy was. Paul sent him there. You might recall Ephesus in Acts 19. Uh, Paul goes there, proclaims the gospel, and uh, there was miracles, there was signs, there were supernatural things happening. And, and it must have been a supernatural town because it also tells us that with all the people that got saved, they then burned all these sorcery and witchcraft books. And it was massive, apparently. A huge, big sacrifice bonfire happening. It was the place where Demetrius caused a big stir. He was the silversmith making little statues. So he was making a lot of money from the goddess Artemis because that was where her temple was in Ephesus. That temple was known as one of the, the seven wonders of the ancient world. So people everywhere would come there then get their little souvenir to take home. But now everyone was being converted to Christianity. They didn't need Artemis. So his trade was going down. So he stirred up some issues at that time. That city was aware of the spiritual battle, the spiritual world. And again, we realize the significance of, of a spiritual battle when Paul writes to Ephesus. And in there, he talks about the spiritual armor. This is not a, a battle of flesh and blood. It's a spiritual fight. The supernatural was real in this. And part of the spiritual battle in this context was that the false teachers had come into the church and were trying to lead the people down another path, opposing the gospel and what Jesus had done for them. Just as Paul writes to Timothy back then, I believe the Spirit writes to us today. We too need to be ready, ready to present ourselves before the Lord and ready for battle. We are to fight the good fight, the fight of faith. Hold on firmly to eternal life, the eternal message, the eternal goodness, the eternal God. We need to confess that message to others. Just as Paul charges Timothy, the Spirit charges us today to obey the command without wavering. This command embraces all of Timothy's sorry, all of Paul's instructions to Timothy. And I want to focus on verse 11. But you, Timothy, are a man of God. This is a declaration, an exclamation, a confession of truth. This is who Timothy is. He is a man of God. It's only used twice in the New Testament, this phrase, man of God, both by Paul to Timothy. Once here and in the second letter, 2 Timothy 3.17. 
Man of God is used several times in the Old Testament. We hear it talked about Moses. They talk about Moses in Deuteronomy 31.3. This is the blessing that Moses, the man of God, gave to the people. He was a man of God. Samuel was referred to as a man of God. In 1 Samuel 9.6, But a servant said, when asked, Is there a prophet here? said, I have just thought of something. There is a man of God who lives here in the town. David is talked about as a man of God. In 2 Chronicles 8.14, and he, Solomon, this is Solomon talking, uh, uh, reference to Solomon, assigned the gatekeepers to their gates by their divisions following the commands of David, the man of God. Now just realize this, this is written, 2 Chronicles, after David had lived and died. David is dead. So they were well aware of David's goodness and his shortcomings, if I can say that. And they write here, David, the man of God. Elijah, in 1 Kings 17, I love this story. King Azahiah, if that's how you say it, sends his commanders to Elijah. Go get Elijah. So the commander goes out to Elijah. Man of God, come see the king. And Elijah, if, if I'm a man of God, let fire come and consume you. Fire comes and consumes. Second time, the king sends out another commander. Elijah, man of God. If I'm a man of God, let fire come and consume you. Twice. <laughs> the third guy's smart enough. He goes out, gets sent out there. Elijah, man. No, listen, before. Stop. <laughs> I've got kids. I've got family. Um, but he, he, he's Elijah referred to as a man of God. Elijah seemed to be struggling with that. And those of you who know the Elijah story, you can see some of the issues Elijah faced throughout the time. He, he, he ended up wanting to run away in fear. I, I, I just wonder, I just wonder if there was a sense of mental health issues in Elijah. In his self-doubt and issue, depression almost, coming through as I read the story of Elijah. But even in that status of who he thought he was, not able to, unworthy, all these things, he is a man of God. He is a man of God. And I just feel to, to, to say that too, you know, we may struggle with self-doubt or even to a point where it's diagnosed as a mental health condition. But that doesn't determine who you are. That does not determine who you are. Scripture tells us those of us who belong to God are a man and a woman of God. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. Paul is contrasting Timothy as a man of God against these false teachers. For Timothy... The starting place is his identity. 
you are a man of God. Our starting place to present ourselves ready to God is our identity. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. You are children of God. This is who you are. This is your identity. While our identity is connected to our past, it doesn't determine who we are. It's determined by our future as we head towards Jesus Christ, waiting for his return, being transformed more and more into his image. We look forward in hope, knowing that we are being transformed. This is who we are, man of God, woman of God. That is who you are. You know, there's a lot of talk about identity these days. People talk about the fluid nature of identity. I want to tell you the only thing fluid about our identity is that it's found in the river with the water of life, crystal clear, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. That's the only fluid you'll find about identity. Now, listen, I'm not saying those who struggle with identity is not a real issue. Yes, it's a real issue. And I will walk that journey with them with love, praying, hoping, believing that God will reveal this truth as Paul spoke to Timothy, that they know that they are loved by God and he has called them. But I'm not going to pretend like many want to do. But I do want to do the journey with them and help them. This morning, I want to encourage you. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. Stand strong in that. Know that. This is who you are. The Spirit is declaring that this morning. This is who you are, a man of God, a woman of God. Don't let the past dictate who you are. Let the future of where you're heading in becoming more and more like Christ, anticipating his return, determine who you are, man of God, woman of God. You are a man of God. Verse 11 continues, But you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from these evil things. As a man of God, Timothy is to run away from these evil things. I mean, the verse is actually pretty short too. It's actually run from these things. We put the word evil in just to give us a bit of context in what's going on. These things are what he's talked about particularly in reference to the the issues that the false teachers were bringing into the church. The false teachers were stirring up problems. They were causing arguments, trouble. They were corrupt. I mean, Paul writes about them in 1 Timothy 6.5, to them to show godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Paul says this about them. And he's saying he's contrasting them as opposed to Timothy, the man of God. Flee from that stuff. As a man and a woman of God, we are people of the Spirit. We allow God's Spirit to come in and indwell in us, baptize us. Paul talks about this in Galatians. The things that opposed the Spirit. These are things we should flee as well. Galatians 5, 19, 23. When you follow the desires of the sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, 
and other sins like these. This is not an exhaustive list. Let me tell you again, as I've said before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Flee from these things. Flee from these evil desires, these evil thoughts, these evil behaviors. Don't live according to the flesh, the sinful nature, because you won't inherit the kingdom of God. And because you're a man or a woman of God. Flee from these things. Be like Joseph in Genesis who fled from his master-seducing wife. Paul reminds Timothy, and it's a reminder to us of who we are as a man and a woman of God. Therefore, run away. Run away from these things. We've mentioned a few in Scripture. But here's the thing. We all know what evil is. We can sense evil. The spirit inside us begins to churn when things are just not right. You know that feeling? You get that feeling, you go, this, this isn't right. I, I, I shouldn't be here. Or like what happened the other week when we've got the, the, the parliament wanting to bring in this new law about abortion. We go, this isn't right. So I'm going to battle this. I'm standing against that. We need to listen to the Spirit. Obey the Spirit. This is the way of the man and the woman of God. And this leads to the third point. Pursue righteousness. But you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run away from these evil things. Pursue righteousness, a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. You know, to flee is immediately followed by pursue. Chase after. Timothy is not to run just in any random direction. Now, have you seen those movies, kind of like Jurassic Park, when people just start running randomly? You know, they always get killed. The people just, ah! They're always, or eaten. But it's those that are strategic. You know, I've got the plan. Here's my plan. I'm going to pursue this. They're the, one, they're the heroes. They're the ones that survive. This is what we need to do. Not run around randomly just, to, oh, where do I go? Where do I go? No, no. Pursue. Flee from and pursue. Pursue these things. These things he's written down. Again, this is not an exhaustive list. These are a few things Paul has written. You can read about other virtues and behaviors in the other letters. I referred to Galatians, which refers to the fruit of the Spirit. There's other aspects we could uh, include in this. But here are some things that Paul highlights in this letter to Timothy. These are things that a man of God, a woman of God, are to pursue. Righteousness. Living the right way. You know, we know what we ought to do. I'm, I firmly believe that. Those, particularly those of us who have the Spirit inside of us, we know what we ought to do. The challenge is to do what we ought to do. That is living the right way. 
While for Paul, righteousness flows out of God's declaration over us, and therefore we are called to be righteous, to live the right way in obedience, there's also an aspect of justice connected to this word. Justice has to do with equality, treating one's neighbor for the common good without distinction or rank or position. Distinction of rank or position. Do we treat people fairly from our immediate neighbors to our nation globally? Are we living a life of justice? How's your righteousness? Man of God, woman of God, are you living right today? Are you living a justice life? Godly life is the next one Paul talks about. It has to do with right relationship with God. Godliness, godly life. It's related to observable conduct. Can people see your behavior? Paul addresses some of this in the first chapter and throughout. You see the word godliness appear in the letter a few times. True teaching promotes godliness, godly living. He says, you know, godliness shouldn't be used to make yourself wealthy. True godliness, he says, is being content. This itself is great wealth. In verse 5 of chapter 6, Paul tells to train yourself in godliness. Physical training is good, he says, but godliness training is better. Train yourself in it. He talks about godliness at home. And in in the reference of what he's talking about here, he's talking about families with elderly parents, and he's saying to the families, are you looking after your elderly parents? That is godliness. There's a sense of behavior related to this idea of godliness coming out of our relationship with God. How is your relationship with God? Is your godliness observable conduct? Are you content with life, your wealth, possessions, friends? Are you looking after your parents? There's one for the kids. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. This is any age. Righteousness, godly life, faithfulness. Now, I've chosen to use the word faithfulness instead of faith. It's the same Greek word, the same word. But for me, faith and faithfulness seem to have two different Western concepts. How I view it as well. Faith to me is is an aspect of belief. It's, It's a mental thought. Where faithfulness implies something that I need to be doing. I need to trust. I need to be faithful, be reliable in that. It's the same concept in this word in the Greek. Yet our English language kind of separates these two ideas. Yet I think the two need to come together. And so faithfulness for me encaptures better 
what Scripture is talking about. Uh, just on a side, I encourage you, when you do read Scripture and you come across the word faith, think about the word faithfulness. How does that change that passage? We talk about the faithfulness of Christ and our faithfulness in response to Christ. How is your faithfulness? How is your trust in God? Can people see your faithfulness? The next one he talks about is love. Love, love, love. Love is all you need. It's often linked to faith. Gordon Fee refers to faith as the love, sorry, faith and love as the supreme Christian virtues. The love Paul's referring to is the love demonstrated by Christ. You know, we, we, we know the story of Christ and all he did for us. I mean, 1 John highlights a little bit about that when he says in 4 verse 10, this is real love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to sacrifice to take away our sins. And then in 1 John 3.16, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's love. Man of God, woman of God, how do you love? Are you a loving person? Perseverance. Patience. Paul connects uh, this idea with love in his letter to Corinthians. The ability to wait, not be in a rush. I believe this is a much needed behavior in today's instant society. We want it now. I find myself getting frustrated when I have to do my work and I want to get some information from halfway around the world at another college. And I've got to wait more than 10 seconds. Internet's slow. There's problems with the server. Ten seconds to get this information from the other way around the world. Probably in five seconds I'm starting to go. Need a little patience. And then lunchtime, you, you, you have lunch to kind of relax and rest. Then you go to the microwave. And I've got to wait three minutes for fully cooked meal. I've got some patience issues. <laughs> we want things now. But that's not the way of a man or a woman of God. I like I read this about perseverance. It's a long walk in the same direction. A long walk. It's the marathon of life rather than short sprints. Patience connects us to godliness, being content, willing to wait. This is the way of life. How's your perseverance this morning? How's your patience? Now, I won't mention driving. <laughs> I'll call right now. <laughs> I just did. Oops. Love, perseverance, faithfulness. Godliness. Righteousness. There we go, the first one. Forgot that. And the last one he talks about is gentleness. 
or meekness. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've often associated this with, with the weak. You know, something that's meek and gentle, ah, weak person. But I just want to read you something here about meekness and gentleness. Meekness towards God is that disposition of the Spirit in which we accept His dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. Gentleness or meekness is the opposite to self-assertiveness and self-interest. That's gentleness. That's meekness. How gentle are you? How often do you dispute or resist God's plan, desire for you? This list, which is often talked about as virtues, good behaviours, are that which the man of God, the woman of God, are to pursue. Flee from these things and pursue these things. Tom Wright also says this, they don't just come about by accident. You don't just randomly run around. They occur in someone's life because that person has chased after them energetically. Are you pursuing these things, man of God, man of woman? Are you pursuing them energetically? You know, he ends this list with gentleness. Verse 11. Then go straight into verse 12. 12. You know, we're coming out of pursue righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, blah, 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 gentleness. Fight the good fight! Well, hey, 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 you told me to be gentle. Fight the fight! Just imagine that. You know, you ever seen a fight? What if someone walked into a fight and kind of just, you know, you're real gentle? Oh, just, just be gentle. Just take it easy. Just, just oh, ow, that hurt. You, you don't fight that way. There's, there's strength needed. There's power needed. But the power is not in the physical sense that we think or imagine. There's power in these virtues that flow from, that distinguish a man of God, a woman of God. And that's why this is a good fight. This is the good fight, the noble fight. You know, good isn't the lesser sister to great. Good is wellness, beauty, worthy, honorable, noble. It's the noble fight. We don't fight with flesh and blood. This battle is spiritual. And there are many fights. There are many things we could get caught up with. The false teachers were, were bringing in all these other issues that were causing all these fights that weren't necessary. So Timothy had to, or Paul was instructing Timothy to shut those down, to ring around, to get onto the right issue, which is connected to the truth of the gospel, who Jesus is, who Timothy is as a man of God, is to flee from those things where those where it was leading and all that evil type stuff, causing quarrels, arguments, getting wealthy just by cheating others, all that kind of stuff. But rather, pursue these things of righteousness, faithfulness, godliness. 
love, patience, gentleness. Fight the noble fight. Jesus is returning one day. He's coming back. He's coming back. We need to be ready. Are you ready? Are you ready to present yourself? Are you ready for battle? To be ready, we need to know who we are. You are a man and a woman of God. Know that this morning. And maybe you don't. I'd love to pray with you this morning so you leave this place encouraged, knowing that you are a man or a woman of God. As a man or woman of God, you need to flee from these evil things. Turn your back, walk away, run. And as you run, run after, run towards righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Run towards these things. This is how we, the man or the woman of God, fight the good fight. This morning as we close... Maybe you're struggling in that identity self-worth. This morning, I'm telling you, you're a man of God. You're a woman of God. Allow the Spirit to affirm that this morning in you. Perhaps you know you're a man of God, a woman of God, but there might be some things that have come into your life that appear like evil that you need to turn your back on and flee from. Allow the Spirit to strengthen you this morning so you can flee from those things. Or I assume, like many of us, while we do pursue many good things, there might be one or two we go, you know what? Yeah, I need a bit more energetic about this one. Give me more patience, Lord. Now! Um, no. Nah. <laughs> That's a joke, by the way. <laughs> Just we, we can allow the Spirit to come in and allow those behaviours, those virtues, those goodness just to be developed in us as we pursue, as we practice them. Let the Spirit work in you. Perhaps you've never identified yourself as a man or a woman of God. It's quite simple. Just believe in Jesus. He's God's son. He came down to earth, lived for about 33 years. He gave his life. He, he died on a cross to cover our sin, to cover our evil. The bad things that separate us from God. But then he rose again on the third day. Believe in Jesus. Then repent from sinful life. Flee from these things. Turn around. Walk away. And accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. As your leader. 
I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to follow you. Can I just ask everyone to close their eyes, please? Bow your heads. Just as we finish this morning. If you haven't accepted Jesus, you can't identify as a man or woman of God because you haven't accepted Jesus in your life. You, you don't believe in Jesus as of yet. You haven't repented from your sin or accepted him. This morning, I want to give you that opportunity. Right now, while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, if there's someone here who hasn't done that, I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up so I can see that and we can pray with you. Anyone here this morning who would like to take that initial call to say, yeah, you know what, I want to accept the call to be a man of God by accepting Jesus this morning, a woman of God by accepting Jesus this morning. Is there anyone here this morning? Just as we close, I know the, the musers will just finish with a song. If there's something that has uh, stirred in your heart this morning, whether it's the fact that you just need to uh, be encouraged this morning of being a man of God, a woman of God, this altar is open this morning. I know myself and leaders would love to pray with you this morning, knowing that you will walk out of here stronger, taller, as a man or woman of God. I want to encourage you this morning. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. Father, I do thank you for your word. I thank you for your encouragement. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here with us, encouraging, empowering us. And as we prepare for Christ's return, we look forward with anticipation. We prepare ourselves with godliness, with righteousness, with love, with perseverance, with gentleness, with faithfulness. But in this preparation, we also prepare ourselves for battle, the noble battle, the good battle. And I pray for each person here this morning that you be with us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.